This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll One of the great Kabbalists who lived in Krakow in the 17th century was known as the Megale Amukos, the revealer of the depths. Just in case you don't know, I have another story about the Megale Amukos. It's story number 10, called The Grave Next to the Megale Amukos. So make sure you check that out if you haven't listened to it already. So the Megale Amukos was this great Rebbe, this great Kabbalistic rabbi, and just before he died... He left instructions for the Jewish community of Krakow to choose as his successor, Moishele, the water carrier. Now everybody knew that Moishele was a very simple person. He didn't know how to daven, he couldn't really read, for sure wasn't a great rabbi. And here, their great rabbi was about to pass away. And who did he want to leave behind as his successor? A simple water carrier. And so the community asked their great rabbi, Rabbi, are you sure? Do you understand what you're saying? And he was on his deathbed. And one of his last words before he said Shema was, Yes, appoint Moishele, the water carrier, as the leader of the Jewish community. With that, he says Shema, and he left this world. So the Jewish community, trusting their rabbi, after they buried him, they carried out his wish, and they went to Moishe, the water carrier. Moishe was at the funeral, just like everyone else, and crying over the death of the great rabbi, the Megalea Mukos. And when the community came to Moishe and they said to him, do you know that you were appointed as the successor of the Megalea Mokos? He laughed so hard, he almost lost his breath. He said, what are you talking about? I'm a water carrier. I'm not a rabbi. I don't have any knowledge. I can barely read. The davening that I know, it's just davening that I've memorized. You want me to replace the great rabbi? You've got to be joking. But the community wouldn't give up. And even though Moshe pleaded and he said, I'm not worthy, he didn't know Torah and he wouldn't be able to decide matters pertaining to halacha, they refused to listen and told him that he, Reb Moshe, would now be their teacher, their rabbi, and their judge. They told him, listen, Moshe, you're not going to have to worry about anything. We're going to pay you a salary. We're going to give you new clothes. We're going to give you honor and respect, a new home, a new life. You are going to be the head of this great Jewish community in Krakow. And you won't lack for anything, Moishe. And for sure you won't be carrying water anymore. And so, Moishe the water carrier became the chief rabbi of Krakow, one of the most influential Jewish communities in all of Poland. And time passed by, and Moishe sat on the chair of the great rabbi of the Beit Din of Krakow and did nothing, absolutely nothing. He would just sit there all day, listening, nodding his head, saying, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Sometimes he was a little bored, and he would read a book, not even a religious book, just some Polish book. And no one in the community in Krakow could understand. How could the Megalea Mokos, such a great rabbi and a Kabbalist that could see, had holy vision? What was he thinking when he appointed Moshe the water carrier as the head of the community? And this went on for several years. There were other rabbis in the Beit Din. They made the decisions, and Moshe just nodded his head. He even asked several times to be taken off the job that someone else should be made the chief rabbi. He really missed carrying water. He wanted to go back to those days. But the community flat out refused. 
Even though they didn't understand the choice, they trusted in the Megillah Amokos. And then one day, the government in Poland decided to outlaw all Talmud study, any study of the oral law. And all of the Jews of Krakow met at Reb Moshe's house, trying to figure out how are they going to fight this evil decree. And the whole community is there gathered outside of his house looking at Moshe, saying, Moshe, you're the leader of the community, you've got to help us. But the only thing he could say is that, I have nothing to say. Maybe after Shabbos I'll have an answer. And so they left him in peace. And when Shabbos was over, the leaders of the community came back to Moshe's house, but he was gone. No one found him anywhere in Krakow, and no one had any idea where he had disappeared to. Some people were spreading rumors that Moshe was so scared that he fled for his life. But the heads of the Jewish community, they knew better, and they decided to find him. And they started searching all around, from village to village, until after a few days, they came to a village not far from Krakow. They were asking around if there was a water carrier, a rabbi, any Jew that had shown up in the town. And they found a small inn. The innkeeper said that three days ago, a stranger had come asking for a private room to rent. And since he had gone in that room, he hasn't come out once. He didn't take any food or water with him. And the innkeeper wondered if he's even still alive. Everyone in the village was curious to know what's going on with this Jew that went into the inn and hasn't come out since. So the leaders of the Jewish community of Krakow asked to be taken to the stranger's room. They knocked on the door. And just as they entered the room, Moshe saw them and immediately congratulated them. Mazel tov, he said. You came at a good time because the decree against studying Talmud had just been rescinded. He then went to tell them that he had to leave Krakow to find a quiet place where he could sit in meditation and daven in a pure and holy union with the Kadosh Baruch Hu, with Hashem. And for the past three days, he had been sitting there davening and reciting the entire Talmud by heart with Rashi's commentary. And had he not been able to do so, having the quiet to sit there and go over the Talmud with Rashi's commentary all by himself by heart, the evil energy in the world would have been strong enough to cause the Talmud to be burned. But because he, Moshe the water carrier, was able to recite the entire Talmud, in Shemaim, in heaven, they had compassion on the Jews. And the decree was overturned, and Baruch Hashem, the Jews could live their lives again, learning Torah and keeping mitzvot. And so when the leaders of the community got back to Krakow, they heard that it was true. The ban against learning Talmud had been lifted, and it was only then that the people of Krakow understood why their great rabbi, the Megala Amokus, wanted Reb Moishi, the water carrier, to take his place as the chief rabbi of Krakow. One more short story. Once it was Simchat Torah by the Baal Shem Tov, and the Hasidim were drinking Lechaim! And they kept going down into the Baal Shem Tov's cellar and drinking all of his wine. 
The Baal Shem Tov's wife, the Rebetzin, she complained to her husband. She said, if they keep drinking like this, we won't have any wine left to make Kiddush or Havdalah. And the Baal Shem Tov looked at his wife and said, you know what, you're probably right. They might drink all the wine in them, what are we going to do? So please go and tell them that they've had enough. It's time for them to go home. And so the Rebetzin went to the Beit Midrash to tell them to stop drinking. And as soon as she opened the door, she heard such a loud sound. It made her jump back. The Hasidim were dancing like crazy, jumping up and down, spinning in circles, dancing around together. And their voices were louder than their feet banging on the floor. And the Rebetzin of the Baal Shem Tov saw a fire in a circle, burning over the heads of the Hasidim as they were dancing around the bima. She stood there in shock for a minute. She looked at the Hasidim. She looked at the fire. And then she looked at all the empty wine bottles sitting on the table. She went over and collected all the bottles one by one. And then went down into the Baal Shem Tov cellar, opened the spigot for the barrel, filled up the bottles to the top with wine, and brought them back to the Beit Midrash, where the Hasidim were dancing on fire. Because even though she wanted them to stop drinking, when she saw the holiness that came out of the Hasidim, all she wanted to do was encourage them to dance even more. I lie, 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 lie.